Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Good morning. morning. How you doing? Great. How are the rest of you doing? It's a good day to be alive. Amen. That's a powerful song we just sang. I love that, the blessing. And uh, it is a good thing to bless those that uh, God has entrusted into your care and uh, to speak life and blessing over them. So I declare blessing over all of you this morning. Declare that uh, you're going to have an ear to hear today. And if you do, the promise is you'll hear. And in hearing, it's going to produce life in you, cause you to grow, cause you to fulfill the purpose and plan that God has for your life. Can you say amen to that? All right. Father, I bless your word this morning, and I thank you for the privilege and the joy of sharing with this people, those that are here, those that are watching online, those that will be listening during the week. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for what it accomplished in my life, in my wife's life, in my family's life, and in this church. And I pray today that as we open up the word together, Lord, that uh, we will have an ear to hear. And in desiring to hear, uh, it'll produce in us the hope of the promise of what the word's going to accomplish in our lives and through our lives. And so I bless it this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, we're on part two of Kingdom Living. And uh, we got into this last week and today, uh, I'm going to try to get to my notes quickly and uh, because there are some things in this teaching that literally uh, next to salvation, all week I've been meditating on uh, the privilege I was going to have on preaching this word this morning and the realization that this word next to salvation has had more impact on my life than any other word that I've ever had from God. Wow, it's quiet in here. Am I in a Pentecostal church or a spirit-filled church? Matthew 6, 33 says, seek second, third, fourth, what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything that you have need will be added to you. Amen? Everything. That's not, that's not a hope and a prayer. That is literally the word of the Lord. But the key is seeking first the kingdom. And in this day that we're living in, and I'm going to try to really stay focused this morning because there is so much happening in our world. And there's so much of it that's affecting the church. Last night, a pastor friend of mine from Seattle, from Washington State called me, and uh, they still cannot have church. How many of you thank God for Florida, Governor DeSantis? Come on, somebody. Man, I'd rather live here than any other state. But uh, I was like, what? You gotta be kidding. I mean, we're, we're so far into this now, it's like, let's move on. 
But he said, yeah, he said, you can't meet inside. And because they're basically an upstart church, they've been renting from one of the public schools. Well, uh, the, the state came in, the governor came in because they're very liberal and they shut down all the church. No churches can meet in any schools owned by the county. So he has, he has five, 600 people. And he said, it's already 41 degrees there. So he said, just going outside and having an outdoor meeting was impossible. He said, I got to keep my folks warm. So they, they had a piece of property, so they got a tent. And they've been working frantically to get this tent ready to go. So they get the tent all ready to go. The inspector comes in this week and goes, uh, y'all can't meet in here because you're a church and this is an indoor meeting and they're not allowed. He said, no, no, this is a tent. They said, no, this isn't a tent. This is a building. This, this has heating and power. And this, this isn't a tent. And so they're at war just trying to have what you and I are just taking for granted every Sunday morning, Wednesday night. But all over the country, not just in America, but literally all over the world, everybody's dealing with something. Amen. And so in the process of dealing with everything, we as believers have to come to this place where we are saying, Lord, I don't even know if yet I know what it means. Is my heart really steadfast after you? And am I seeking first the kingdom above every other thing, no matter what it costs me? No matter what it costs me, I, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6 says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Listen to this. That you may live. I'm, I mean, not just exist. Come on, somebody. There's a difference between living and existing. I was thinking this week of, uh, of what it's like. I'm, I was listening, Suzanne walked in last night from prayer and I was watching for the fourth time this week, the message from last week. So I'm watching myself on big screen in our living room. She walked in, starts laughing. She said, are you really watching yourself? I said, I'm, I'm not watching myself. I'm listening to myself. I'm listening to, to what I had to say um, because I wanted to make sure that uh, what I needed to prepare for today, I'd prepared for. But I was listening to this thing on the kingdom and the significance of my heart. And only you and God know your heart. Amen? Not your spouse, not your child, nobody else knows your heart. Not, not the redemptive part inside or that still little wicked thing that you deal with that nobody else you, you believe, thank God, nobody else knows. But you know, right? And God knows. And, and, and he's saying, I want you to give me your whole heart. Which means a surrender. It means, uh, uh, Lord, reveal to me because... Maybe I don't even see it. If I do see it, I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm not ready to deal with it yet until conviction comes. And I made a statement last week in the message. I said, I don't know how somebody goes from salvation, forgiveness of sin, healing, cleansed, delivered, set free. No more guilt, no more shame, no more condemnation, no more pain of 
the past failures of your life from salvation. How do you go from there and you slide back, you, you backslide and walk away from God? How do you get there? You know what? I don't ever want to know how to get there. I don't even want to know the path to get there. But people do it all the time. They walk away from God. They walk away because something has to do with their heart. Somewhere their heart has been open to deception or a lie. Or you begin to question. And instead of running back to that place where God, whatever you got to do to protect this heart of mine. I, I don't want I don't want to get away from your kingdom. Because one, life's too short. Amen? I mean, just the reality of how quickly our lives are flying by. I, I'll never forget when my dad was 98, he, young 98. He was still had a year left of life. And, and I remember him telling me, son, yesterday I was 18. You know, yesterday I married your mother. Yesterday you were born. Yesterday I watched this, and now I'm sitting here on the side of my bed, and I'm 98 years old. And when you look forward like that, you go, no, man, that's that'll be a long time before I get there. Mm, just keep living. <laughs> keep flipping that calendar. You know, since I've been in this battle that I'm d dealing with uh, for the last two years, I have this um, log. It's actually two pages. And every day, every morning, every night, I have to do all this stuff and take my blood pressure and my temperature and weigh myself and I check off every single drug that I'm taking and it's literally two pages. And, and it seems like, it seems like yesterday was a new sheet. It was Monday, it's gonna be a new sheet. It's gonna be a long time before I get to the next one. And I have this file folder now with two years 104 sheets of paper that went by like this. Because every week I'm, I'm, I'm checking off. Yeah, I took that medicine. Yeah, I took that medicine. Yeah, I'm trusting God. Got, got my check off from my Bible too, you know, because uh, you got to check off this other stuff. Let's, let's get back to that, which is kingdom. So we're guarding our heart. We're watching over Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. And, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. All of these have everything to do with kingdom living. Now, today I'm going to talk very practical about the things that, next to salvation, radically changed my life because God revealed to me uh, at 22 years of age, freshly married, uh, a thief and a robber in God's house. I, 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 I got to marry the, the, the dream of my life, the, the, the beauty of, uh, you know, my desire. And, and here God gives me this incredible woman and, and we're married only for a short period of time when Holy Spirit uses her to uncover a sin in my life. Wow, none of the rest of you have ever had any sins revealed <laughs> by your spouse, just me. It was, it was an amazing thing, but uh, it, it had to do with, with uh, the realization that something was not right in our life, in our marriage. 
Because before I married Suzanne, she was a school teacher. She had her own little apartment. She had her own little car. She had her own, own little rent payment and everything was hunky-dory. And then she married me. I'm in the military. Now we got two paychecks. We're living in her tiny little apartment. We're driving her tiny little car. And after only a couple of months, she says something like she wants to go buy something. And I said, we can't afford that. And she looked at me like, are you out of your ever-loving mind? I could afford that before I married you. And all of a sudden, this realization that something's not right. Because, see, we got married. It's the manly thing to do. Take over the checkbook. Take the money. Do everything. I'll let you know what you can do when you can do it. Oh, sweet Jesus. It's amazing that I'm even standing here alive today. It's amazing she didn't kill me, right? But, but there, there, was, there was this, the way she was raised, the way I was raised, and it was just, it, we thought that's how you did it. Well, it was, and for, for really, for the, the goodness of God, God used it to help her to help something come alive in me that was guilty and wrong. I went to church. I love God. I've been in church my whole life. been to Bible college. been to a bunch of Bible colleges. But... This thing about money, this curse that had been passed down. We just got through singing about the blessing. I stand behind the screen, walking up and down the screen with my hands out here, just pointing towards all of y'all and speaking about blessing. But there was a time in my life, even in the house of God, that I was cursed with a curse and not blessed with a blessing. Say, well, how, how can you both go to church and love God and be cursed? Because when you defy God's word, doesn't matter how much church you go to, if you're not doing what God's convicted you to do and what he's brought his word and what he's revealed to you. So out of this time, you know, my wife and I speaking and talking and, and, and it was a Sunday afternoon, I'll never forget it. And, and uh, she said, she's like, well, what do you mean we don't have money? And I said, well, we, you know, we don't have money. And the reality was I had brought all this debt into our marriage that she didn't know about. Ooh, little secret, you know, you kept when you got married. Some of you men have other secrets you took into your marriage. Some of you women have secrets you took into your marriage. So, so don't be pointing all those fingers of judgment up here at me. I'm like, whoa, everybody has something. But I had this, I had this sin of uh, not only unconfessed debt that I was taking in the marriage, but, but I wasn't, even though I'd been in church my whole entire life, I'd never been faithful with my tithe and offering because I did the way my daddy did it. And that was, I gave a little bit whenever I could afford to. How many of you know you can't ever afford to in the natural? Because it's all about faith. So, so in this process, uh, it was a Sunday afternoon. My wife says to me, she just looks at me straight in the face. And she said, have you not been paying our tithe? And I'm thinking, where did, where did that come from? <laughs> We're not talking about tithe here. We're just talking about whatever it was she was wanting to go to the store to buy. I didn't think we could afford right then. And all of a sudden here, she's asking me this penetrating question. You ever been asked a question and you wanted to lie? I mean, in your mind, you knew you could pull this off. 
I knew I could not pull this off. So I just didn't answer. Uh, 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 what was that question again? Have you been not paying our tithe? Have you, have you been robbing God? And man, something rose up in my wife, that quiet, dainty, sweet little thing over there. Walks around, worships Jesus all the time. The other day, we're riding in our sports car. She turns up this worship song. And I'm like, not embarrassed, but she, she's just like worshiping God like, like this. With, and there's no top on our car and people are just looking. And I'm thinking, somebody's going to call the cops thinking I am abusing this woman because she's, she's, she's doing this in the car. And she's just, she's just, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, woman, take that to the prayer closet. You know, the whole world does. I mean, we're just, we got the wind in our face. We're singing this song about miracles of heaven. And she just, she's just having a good time. I'm just over here driving. <laughs> but she looked at me and she said, have you been robbing God? And, and all of a sudden, a righteous anger rose up in her. And, and, and I mean, she, before she realized it, she leaned across and she had this, these beautiful red painted fingernails. I always loved my wife's red painted fingernails until that moment. <laughs> she leaned across that and she jabbed that red fingernail right into my chest. And she said, you better never rob God again. And she got up and stormed out of the house, door slamming. I mean, I, it was anger. I believe it was righteous anger. <laughs> We're calling it righteous anger, amen? I mean, she stormed out the door, slammed the door, got in the car and drove off. And I was so mad, how dare her? I'm the husband, man in this house. No, I, I promise you, I didn't feel any of that. I immediately felt convicted. And I dropped to my knees and for the very first time in my life, I realized you can do this all you want. I love you, God. I love you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Just don't ask for my money. Don't ask for the first fruit of my labor. Don't ask for the tenth of everything you bless me with because you want me to know my heart. See, it's not about God knowing your heart. He already knows your heart. It's about you knowing your heart. And if I can't trust God with 10%, come on, let, let's look at this. That's a penny on a dime. That's a dime on a dollar. That's a dollar on 10. That's 10 on 100. If I cannot trust God with 10%, do I really believe that Jesus is building me a mansion in heaven with gold and diamond doorknobs and all this stuff? Well, we say we do but we don't. So the whole principle of the kingdom, and when we talk about the tithe, the offering, giving to God, it's all about this. It's all about your heart. It's all about your trustability to trust God for what he says. So for the sake of all the new folks that are in our house and new folks that are watching online that are a part of our house, those that are listening, I'm going to just fly through this real quick. We teach this in our growth track classes, but I just want to lay out 
very simply what we believe, what impacted my life next to salvation, and what has impacted our church family, who we are today, what we have today, what we possess today, what we do in the kingdom, the ministries we help here in Gainesville, the, the, the missions that we do all around the world. All of this comes out of this simple teaching on the kingdom of God, tithes and offerings and giving. So let me just jump into this this morning and uh, read to you out of Malachi chapter three, if you will turn there in your Bible or look on the screen, the scriptures will be up there. And uh, if you have any questions about any of this when we're all done and through, I would encourage you, we have a lot of teaching on this um, on our website. You can go on and uh, I know because I went on the other day and just found uh, years worth of uh, this. And uh, again, who we are today, what we're doing, most of the families in here walk under a blessing of God, what we're gonna be doing Wednesday night, which I'll touch on at the end of the service in just a few minutes. But Malachi chapter three. Malachi is the last uh, prophet in the old covenant, right before uh, you get into the beautiful story of Christ in Matthew's gospel, Malachi chapter three, you can go right there and then turn back one page and you are uh, right where you need to be in the book of Malachi. But in Malachi, the prophet is speaking with God. God asked Malachi a question. Uh, God doesn't wait for Malachi to give the answer. He gives the answer himself. Malachi responds to it. And so this reading I'm about to share with you, uh, it is uh, a, a prophetic word to the church. And then I'm gonna go back and give you a foundation, especially for any of you that have come out of different denominational backgrounds that you're gonna, some of you might disagree with what I'm teaching because of what you've been taught your whole life. And, and, uh, but, but here's the key to the kingdom of God, is forget all the, church doctrines you've ever been taught if they're contrary to the word of God. So everything that you believe or think you believe needs to come back to this. Needs to come back to the foundation. You got to go back to the word of God. And if it's in the word of God, and recently I was asked by someone who was interested um, in knowing about our church, wasn't interested in coming, was just interested in knowing about who we were. And uh, so he asked me the question, well, well, what do y'all believe? Well, what exactly are you asking? You know, do you, do you have a little book that, that you want me to tell you we, we've writ, written and this is what we believe and, and, and what about this or that? And, and I said, it's, it's really simple. You just go to the word of God and that's what we believe. We don't fully understand it all. We walk in a revelation much of our revelation is a growing revelation. And from when you first got saved to where you are today, I guarantee you're, you're walking in a greater insight and understanding than you were a year ago, five years ago, 25 years ago. And, and it wasn't that what you're walking in back then was wrong or wicked or evil. It was, that was a revelation that you had at the moment. And that's all that God held you responsible for. That's good. Somebody ought to say amen to that. But then as you walk in it, get a greater understanding, greater revelation. Holy Spirit begins to speak to you. You begin to apply what Holy Spirit's saying to you. And listen, whatever Holy Spirit's saying, it's never, hear me, contrary to this. Right. Right. 
Okay, so all of y'all that came out of some prophetic movement where people are prophesying stuff that's just, listen, if it's contrary to the word of God, it's not God. I don't care how they say, thus saith the Lord thy God, thy God. I mean, I grew up through some Pentecostal stuff. I have seen it. I have heard it. Man, I, back, back in the day, we used to have people just jump up in the middle of service and start, and then somebody on that side of the auditorium would jump up and say, thus saith the Lord, thy God, thy God, I love thee, my child, I love thee. Then somebody else would jump up on this side and say, this is the Lord, thy God, and I'm angry with you. I'm like, man, is God love me or is he angry with me? How many of you are glad we've, we're, we've gone through those days? Amen. Because the word of the Lord, there are times, hear me, let, let me say this, God always loves you. There are sometimes God is angry with you. But you know what? I don't need somebody jumping up and screaming that at me for me to know that. Because he loves you so much that the minute you sin, come on somebody, the minute you sin, you don't have to wait till a week from Sunday just as I am the third stanza and all of a sudden you get convicted of sin. No, you're convicted right when you do it. Some of y'all are going to leave the church today and get in the parking lot and be convicted before you get out to Newberry Road. Because somebody's going to have pulled out in front of you and your stomach's growling and your kids are yelling and, and all of a sudden, like, man, am I coming from the church or the ball game? I mean, I, I got to get into this. Malachi chapter 3. Y'all mess with me way too much. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I love this. For I, the Lord, do not change. Right. Amen. I love that he just starts out with that with the prophet. I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, you're not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statues, and you've not kept them. Return to me, God's saying, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? I love this. God asked the question, will man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, how, oh God, have we robbed you? God's answer is you've robbed me in the tithe and the offerings. In the ESV, it says contributions. But in your offerings and in your tithe. You don't like verse 9. I understand. I didn't either. You're cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, even the whole nation of you. Verse 10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, just a quick question. Does anybody think God's hungry? Anybody? Okay, moving on. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. Put me to the test. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Some of you in this room today have been walking this out for so long that if I were to ask you to stand up and humbly share testimony, you would say you have no needs financially. You're debt free. Somebody called me yesterday, a friend that I met in, on February the 3rd this year uh, at UAMS Hospital, a lady. And uh, she called to check on me. Every time I've gone for appointments at UAMS, she's shown up at the same time, her and her husband, Chuck, precious couple. She's not really walking with God. Her husband's walking with God. And she calls me, well, she, let, let me rephrase that. 
She's not where her husband is, and her, her personal faith has been under such attack because she's gone through so much physical um, problems. She has multiple myeloma. She also has tons of lesions. She's had a tumor in her, in her shoulder. She's had another problem in her spine com- compared to me. I mean, what, what I've walked through, what she's walked through has just been incredible. So her faith has been under attack. And, and Suzanne and I would be with her and either her husband or her mom or her sister uh, at the hospital. And there were times she was just so weak and so frail. But, but she called uh, yesterday or, or Friday to check on me. And she said, hey, when's your next trip back to UMS? And I said, next Sunday after church, Suzanne and I fly to Little Rock. She said, oh, Chuck and I leave the same day. We'll see you up there. And another couple that we had met that we had become friends with that we've been praying for. We have a whole list of multiple myeloma friends that God has brought into our lives that we pray for every day, stand in belief for. But as I was talking with her and we're talking about you know, what's going on physically and, and what's happening in our bodies and, and uh, how her husband's doing. She, she made the statement. Uh, I, I said, well, how, how's your husband and, and uh, how's Chuck doing? She said, oh, he's working so hard. He, she, she said, Pastor George, we're $12,000 from having our house paid off and being totally debt free. And I started shouting on the phone because you see, that is the promise of God. And that's where God wants his children to live. He wants us to rule and to reign. He wants us to walk in blessing and not curse. He wants us to walk in financial stability and not in deep in debt. And yet in most Americans, in most American Christians live the same way the world lives. We we borrow the same amounts of money. We max out credit cards. We, We have all this car debt. We have all these things going on in our life and we struggle financially and we look no different than the world. And yet God has given a promise to us that if we will live by it, he will pour out blessing to the point, hear me, I just read it. Let me me read it again so y'all make sure I'm not lying here, okay? Verse, where was it? Uh, Verse 10. Man, I appreciate y'all all being so in tune. You got that script. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no need. No more need in your life. That's how the Lord wants us to live. So when we set out, you back up there to to, uh, verse 10, he said, Prove me or test me. So we're talking about the kingdom of God. We get over to this point where we literally have been asked by God, requested by God to test him, to test him. Nowhere else in scripture does God ever authorize us to challenge him except in the area of our money. Why are y'all so quiet in here this morning? Y'all just listening really intently because all y'all that have been around here forever have heard this. Y'all need to be saying amen a little bit louder because you walked it out. We're listening. But he said, prove me now in this and see if I will not. So when I got this revelation 42 years ago when Suzanne stuck her finger in my chest, And then she left, and I went through the process of repentance. Here was my repentance. God, as long as I live and breathe, whatever increase you bring into my life, never again will I ever rob you. 
And I am not a perfect man, a perfect pastor, a perfect preacher, a perfect father, a perfect husband, but I have lived this out perfectly. Because it was a, it was a commitment to say, I got to find out if God's real or not. I know the feeling, I know the emotions, I know the chill bumps of loving God, but to actually prove God, y'all, many of y'all that are especially new in this house, you're sitting in this beautiful building, not really fully understanding what this church family has walked through for 34 years. There was a time when there was no beautiful building. There was a time when there was no 160 acres here. There was a time when there was no 10 acres over on our South Campus, no South Campus building. All there was, was a word when God said, go and I'll go before you. And if you'll do this, I'll do this. If you'll do this, I'll do this. And so we as a people, 34 years ago, 32 years ago, 30 years ago, began to walk out this teaching that radically changed my life and it radically impacted the life of the Rock of Gainesville. Until we built this building, we had been 13, 14 years totally debt-free as a church, given hundreds of thousands of dollars. Amen, come on, amen. Hundreds of thousands of dollars to missions, to every, every ministry local that, that was uh, doing something in this community, we support. And we walked out as a church family, what we have walked out as individual families, I need to prove God for me. So you don't need to prove God for anybody else. You, you gotta know in your own heart, is he who he says he is? And can I trust him? Therefore, if... If he is, and this is what he's saying to me, I want you to give me 10 cents of every dime. Is that right? 10 cents of every dollar, thank you. I knew that didn't sound right. <laughs> give me 10 cents of every dime. Okay, Lord, that's, that's my goal right there, 100%. <laughs> but give me the first fruit. Now, some of you have come out of teachings where you say, oh, that's old covenant. No, you see, if I have time to go back and teach you, you'll find out, you go back all the way to Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 through 20, Hebrews chapter seven, you find out that the principle of the tithe was actually established with Abraham 430 years before the giving of the law to Moses. Done, period, settled, okay? We don't even need to go there. If you struggle with that, go search out the scripture and then find out, What's in your heart that's keeping you from wanting to be faithful with the 10%? I mean, Suzanne and I made a covenant when, when I got things right with God. I said, sweetheart, never again will this ever, you, you don't ever have to worry. I know I have to earn your trust, but you watch and see. I promise you, you're never, this is never going to happen again. So for 42 years, I mean, if you give me $100, you know, last a couple of months ago, you blessed us with a tremendous offering as your pastors for 34 years. The first thing I do, you can, you can ask Tom over there on the front row. I call up Tom and say, exactly how much, because I can't wait to pay my tithe on that, that that my people just blessed me with. So the first thing that's going to go is my tithe. The second thing is, we're going to ask the Lord, what, where do you want us to give offerings to? And who do you want us to give offerings to? Why? Because we proved a long time ago that God is faithful. He's faithful. His word never fails. 
And, and if I can walk this out at 30 and at 40 and at 50 and at 60 and 64, we get to a place where we come to that scripture where he said, there's going to come a time when you're not even going to have any needs left. You're going you're gonna to be, I'm going to be blessing you and you're going to be like a conduit. You're just going to be, you're going to just be flowing. I'm going to bless you here and you're going to bless someone else over there. Because the kingdom, you know, last week I told you about a message Suzanne and I had listened to on prosperity by um, Andrew Womack. And he was talking about the reason of prosperity is God blesses you to be a blessing to someone else. It's not about you being a reservoir, a dam. You know, man, I work, work, work. I get everything. I get everything. I get everything I can. And I put it in the can and I sit on the can. No. You're going to die. And whatever's in that can, somebody else is going to have. Wouldn't you rather enjoy the fruit of emptying the can yourself? Blessing others, whoever God wants you to bless, whoever God speaks into your heart, man, you're just, you're a reservoir, you're, you're a conduit of blessing to others. So the very first principle found in Malachi uh, chapter three that impacted my life in this house is the principle of the tithe. And, and, it's, and it's that simple. God, if you make $100, you owe God $10, period. God doesn't need your $10, God's not hungry. But we have a hundred and something people on our staff here at The Rock. Ministry staff and school staff. Uh, Jim and them have, I don't know, 70 something, 80 something people. We have about 18. All the people on the ministry team, and, and let me just tell you real practically, the tithe. It's not, it, it doesn't like go, you know where those uh, drive-in banks and the little thing comes down the tube, you get the tube out and you put your thing in, boop, sucks it out. You don't bring your tithe in and, and we don't take it and put it in a tube and God sucks it to heaven. The tithe is a very practical thing to bring food into the storehouse because all my pastor's little children's are hungry and they are fed off the tithe of the people of this house. And rightfully so. We pay the electric bills. That nice, comfortable seat you're sitting on. That carpet. We even built this carpet so when you bring your coffee in here and you, you got the shakes and you dump it all over the floor and we can't get it out, we just pull up one little strip of carpet and put a brand new one down there. You come back the next week, you spill it again. We got toilets. You got to be careful. I mean, they flush. Why are you taking care of your business? You ain't got to reach back there and do anything. I mean, we bought you the best. I came out of the tithe. Oh my gosh, I, I thought it was like really something spiritual. You been to Africa lately and had to use an outhouse? Thank God for toilets. I mean, there's very seldom a time I go in the bathroom. I don't thank God for whoever created this whole thing. It's, 2021, man, thank you, Jesus. But it's very practical. He said, bring the tithe in the storehouse that there may be room, that there may be food in my house and prepare yourself to receive the blessing of God. 
Here's the problem. So many people, especially young people, get saved. They're like, oh my gosh, I've been robbing God for 20 years. Whew, I'm going to get saved. I'm going to make it right this week, next week. Man, I'm going to have a 100% increase. No, you're not. You've been planting bad seed for a long time. You know what happens to seed? It always grows. Stop clock in the name of Jesus. Come on out and just play. You might be playing for a while because I'm, I'm, I'm going to be here a little bit. Some of y'all stayed up for late last night watching Alabama lose. I, I didn't mean that. I did not mean that. That came straight out of my heart. That came straight out of my heart. I mean, I woke up this morning, took my phone and, re- and typed in who won the Alabama game. And when I saw it, I was like, it's time to have devotions. Man, it's been since 2010 an SEC team beat Alabama. That has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. And it felt good. It felt good. What was I talking about? What was I talking about? Seed grows. Seed grows. Seed. Okay, let's get focused. Here we go. Seed, both good and bad, grow. So when Suzanne pointed that finger into my chest and I repented, boy, would I love to stand up and tell y'all, whoo, the blessing just started, whoo, it was like unbelievable. I worked my butt off for the next 10 years, 20 years, paying my tithe, being faithful, working hard, trusting God. We moved here to Gainesville. I didn't have an abundance. I had a pastor that was supporting me, taking care of me, took a $10,000 cut and pay to move here to start the Rock of Gainesville. So even with total support, my rent went from 325 a month to Gainesville, $650 a month with a $10,000 cut and pay. And in the natural, I was like, I don't even know how this is gonna work. But guess what? It worked. Because you just be faithful. You faithful, 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 and God honors his word. Doesn't mean it's always going to be, and it's never going to be an abundance. Matter of fact, I don't have time to get on this, but the whole idea of the lottery, it's a wicked, evil thing that messes with a whole bunch of Christians, even some of you in here. I I know some of y'all have a hope and a prayer with your lottery ticket. It's not going to work. Wasting your money is not kingdom. It's not kingdom. And if you got it, it'd destroy your life. It's not kingdom. You don't work. The Bible says you don't eat. You don't work, you don't eat. You don't work, you don't eat. It's a a very simple principle. If your kids are hungry, go to work. Now, we're living in crazy days where our government and Uncle Joe wants to pay you to not work. We, we just came yesterday, drove home from the coast, and every place you pass, big signs, need workers. Matter of fact, we, we, we went to a restaurant yesterday, Suzanne took a picture, did you take a picture of that sign? It said the new pandemic, what did it say? New pandemic, pandemic, we need workers. I mean, we walked in this restaurant, half the tables are empty, half the tables outside were empty. It's a beautiful setting over in the great town of Palatka, Florida. Come on, somebody. 
Corky Bell's, great restaurant. Great seafood, man. We waited an hour and 15 minutes. For, we're, we're sitting there looking at a table, empty. About an hour plus, they say, oh, your table's ready. Oh, that table's been empty for an hour and something. But it's not their fault, they, they can't get anybody to work. Why, because our government's paying people to stay home. That's not kingdom. Ooh. Hear me, if you're there, and a lot of us are doing things we, we've never done before. We're walking through stuff we've never walked through before. It, we always got to get back to, okay, God, what, what's, what do you have for me? What's best? What's kingdom? Some of you are not working, and it's not because you don't want to work. It's because you want to work and all kind of crazy things, just like my friend in, in, in Washington State. I mean, they just shut down. Thank God. At least our state is open. And we're moving towards rebuilding. We got to know what's kingdom for us. What does God have? He said, will a man rob God? And he answers the question, you robbed me with the tithe and the offering. So the tithe settled. We got that. It's 10% offering. That offering is whatever is in your heart. And boy, there's so many New Testament scriptures. Let me just give you a few. Galatians chapter six, verse six and seven says, let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. So whatever we're sowing, that's what we're going to reap. For years, I sowed bad seed, went to church, loved God, taught children's ministry, worship, lifted my hands, but I didn't trust God with my heart. And when I got that dime on a dollar settled between me and God, all of a sudden freedom came into my life. And then I set out to prove God in my life. Today I'm 64, no longer 24, no longer broke, no longer poor. Been there, done that, experienced that. But today walking in blessing, unlike anything I've ever experienced before in my life. My, my wife and I give way more than we ever used to make together. He said, yeah, I guess you are, Pastor. You got this big old church, hold it. There was no big old church. See, every time we start wanting to look for a natural excuse or reason or blame someone, well, you have this because. No, no, I prove God. My wife can tell you, testimony, you can call Pastor Ball in heaven and he can tell you how poor I was. Not only in my checkbook, I was poor in my brain, poor in my heart. Once I got the heart and the mind right, then I positioned myself to begin to experience blessing. And now when Suzanne and I get, our first thought is the tithe and then where's the offering going? Who do I get to bless? A week from next Sunday after church, we have to fly to Little Rock um, to the doctor for three days. I'll fly home on Thursday night at midnight. And then Saturday morning, I'm leaving with Gabe and Andrew and Luke and 10 other men in our church family on my first missions trip since I got diagnosed two years ago when I was told you have an incurable disease. Basically, you don't have a chance. I'm going back to Honduras uh, in two weeks with a group of men. We're gonna pray over all of us next Sunday 
uh, because I'll be gone until uh, uh, Thursday night, and then we leave on Saturday. The guys are going down there to uh, work on Pastor Jimmy and Jessica Hughes' ministry house, and I'm just tagging along. I just, I called Jimmy and said, he said, any chance you could come? And I said, well, just give me one opportunity to preach and it'll justify me getting on a plane. And so I asked my doctor about it and he said, well, you're a grown man, do what you want. <laughs> he said, I wouldn't go. And I said, but you wouldn't go before anyhow. So, <laughs> so this will be my 171st missions trip. And I cannot wait to get on a plane to leave this country so I can come back again. Why? Because God is faithful. And, and when, you, when you live to give and give to live, the blessing overtakes. So we're faithful with our tithe. And I want to encourage you this morning, you're sitting in here and you've struggled with this. Know this one thing. If this house is not where God's brought you to and you struggle with paying your tithe here, you go find a church family that you believe in enough to take your tithe to the storehouse. But, but, but wherever God sends you and places you, that's your storehouse and that's where your tithe goes. And then you trust the leadership because you see, when, when Suzanne and I, when I got this thing right, it never crossed my mind. What does Pastor Ball do with that money? It was only years later when somebody asked me what he did with it. And I said, you know, I don't really know. He could buy $1,000 worth of bubble gum, sit out on 231 and watch the trains go by. I wouldn't care because I paid my tithe to the house of God. Amen. That's what produces blessing. Because as an individual, I bring my tithe into this storehouse. And then as a ministry, one day I'm going to stand before God. Hear me. And I'm going to answer for not every penny or dime that's come through this house in 34 years, but the millions of dollars. You know, in your seed offering, y'all wanna hear something cool? Let me find it in my notes. I gotta go way down here at the bottom that I'm not even close to being at yet. Since the word of the Lord in our house in 19, excuse me, 1997, when Holy Spirit said, I want you to teach the house the principle of seed time and harvest. I didn't know what that meant. Had me go over and read in Genesis. I read that God made a covenant with the earth, with mankind, that as long as there was life, he would never again destroy the earth by a flood or a fire. And he made a covenant. And he said, as long as there's winter, spring, summer, fall, as long as there's seed time and harvest, I'll never destroy the earth again. He plastered a big old gorgeous rainbow. That's why I love rainbows. Love the covenant. Not the rainbow they hung over Washington, D.C., but the rainbow that God hung. Amen? Because it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a rainbow of promise, a rainbow of covenant. But... He said, I want you to teach this principle. So I taught the principle, which is the third thing I wanted to talk on this morning, seed time and harvest. It's an offering that Holy Spirit had us as a people, the Rock of Gainesville. This, this wasn't for anybody else. This, this wasn't even for the Rock of Panama City. This was a word to us. Every, every spring and every fall, go before the people, put a basket out there and let the people give above and beyond their tithe and their offering and I'm gonna use it for my glory. 
You're going to touch the world with it. You're going to touch people in other nations. You're going to be a part of a million Bibles to Cuba. You're going to build buildings and have land because that's kingdom. And so our very first offering, 1997, Holy Spirit said, I want you to receive an offering and then I want you to give it away. How many of you were here? Let me see your hand. Hold them, hold them high so everybody that wasn't here can go to y'all and make sure I'm telling the truth. So that week, we had our very first seed offering. We brought a basket down just like we'll do Wednesday night, put it there, and we just started worshiping God. And we literally just danced our way down and people started putting offering in the bucket. I had no clue. I, I didn't know if we would give $10,000 that night, 15,000, 20. But that night people were bringing, they were bringing, one couple came by and, and the girl, they were engaged and she took off her engagement ring and dropped it in the basket. I standing there and, and her boyfriend, fiance right behind her, I don't even think he was saved. I'm thinking I'm about to get shot. <laughs> this girl just took off her engagement diamond. We had 18 pieces of jewelry that night put in the basket. We had a red riding lawnmower pitcher. Somebody gave the brand new red riding lawnmower. Miss Chris sure did. I won't go say that, Miss Chris. Miss Chris, man, she had her dream red riding lawnmower. And she took a picture of that thing and put it in the basket along with the cash offering. Computers, uh, six string guitar. And that night when we were through, we gathered over the pastors that were on my team back then. We gathered in the room, we prayed, we had a meal. Holy Spirit said, tell everybody, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. We dumped the basket and we started counting. When we finished, Tad hit the total button. It was just a few cents over $100,000. Come on. This, this was a lot of years ago. This is 26, 27 years ago. We gave that whole offering, $100,000 check, drove a U-Haul, pulled, pulled Miss Chris's red riding lawnmower and everything else that was in that thing, jewelry bag, gave it all. And since that day, in our seed offerings, you people have given $5,641,086.79. Come on, somebody. Woo! Next week, T Tad, Tom, you guys get me the list. Next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just run through the list of all the different missions and missionaries and everybody that we have supported. So out of this seed offering and Wednesday night, family night right here, and I'm closing, I got to close, not even near done. Wednesday night, family night, we're gonna have our fall seed offering. If you never come before, I encourage you to come. You don't, even have to, you don't even have to plan to give an offering if you don't want. Just come and experience seed offering night. It's one of the most exciting two nights of the year because we just worship and dance and so. And some of you that have gotten in a habit lately of just sending yours in, I wanna tell you something, don't send it in. I mean, if you're not gonna come, send it in. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. But it's better to come and bring it. He said, bring your seed into the 
house of God, into the storehouse. And, and that number is going to grow, but this, starting this seed offering, we're upping right now for the last few years, 10% off the top goes directly to missions and 90% has gone to the preparation of building this building. And now our goal is to get this building paid off um, before I pass the baton on to uh, the next generation of young leaders uh, that will lead your children and your grandchildren as long as Jesus tarries, amen? I love when I look back at what God has done in my heart, taking me from a taker to a giver. The difference in your life when you're a giver versus a taker. If you always wait, one day I'm going to give. I, I, I've, had, I've had people tell me when I win the lottery, I'm gonna give millions to the church. I went and checked their contribution report. They, they, don't, they don't give anything off what they make now. You think it's not gonna happen. Matter of fact, you don't even have to bring it. If you win it, it'll, it'll be a curse. Say, pastor, you tell me you wouldn't take it? I'm saying, I'm gonna prove God now in this. Trust God. Work hard, be diligent, faithful. Let God bless your hand with creative ideas. There are young people in here that have gone off and got a college degree in something they hate. You need to find out what God has for you and begin to give your life to that and let God bless it. Don't go get a job because it pays the highest. You might despise it. Find out what God has for you so that thing will grow inside of you. Wednesday night, 6.30, family night right here. We're going to have our fall seed offering. We're gonna celebrate, we're gonna worship, we're gonna give, we're gonna plant that figure up there. We're gonna rejoice over it. Starting this one, we're gonna give 20% off the top to missions. Because you know, one of the other things Holy Spirit told me recently when I decided to stop staying at home and stop waiting for bad things to happen that they had all prophesied were gonna to happen to me. I just said, you know, I'm gonna live. I'm gonna live until Jesus takes me home. I'm gonna preach, I'm gonna go back on the mission field. I'm gonna go to Cuba, I'm gonna go to China, I'm gonna go to Honduras, I'm gonna go wherever God opens the door. I'm gonna live and not die. Preach the gospel of Jesus. I'm gonna die one day, so are you. But when I do, I'm gonna walk through that door and it's gonna be glorious. And until then, we're gonna be about the Father's business. And so we're gonna increase our missions because there, is, there are great needs in the world that we wanna be able to give more towards. Plus the 80% that stay in, we have a responsibility to get out of debt. We wanna make sure, matter of fact, this week, I just approved Pastor Tad to write an $800,000 check on our mortgage because I hope I'm not speaking too soon, but I think I got the text that we were approved for our CO this week. And uh, so we're actually going to be able to close on our bank account. And, uh, and so we're, we're putting $800,000 towards uh, principal. Come on, somebody. How many of you think that's $800,000 towards principal? Amen, amen. 
So the kingdom of God, it's every bit as practical as it is spiritual and spiritual as it is practical. We have to believe that, trust that, teach our children that. Raise up the next generation of kids. For those of you who have never been to seed offering, it's so cool to watch these kids come up with their plastic bags and they got their coins or they got their envelopes and they got the, that's why when we put that, that posted that up there, I always tell you to the penny, 79 cents. Cause you know what? Some precious kid put that, gave it, worked towards it. And you know what's so cool is today, I've been doing this for so long here, I've gotten old, I've grown old here. I stood up 34 years ago in front of a wooden pulpit and said, the Lord sent us here. I'm never going anywhere else to pastor. We're we're not looking for greener grass. This is where God's called us, planted us. And I made a prophetic statement. I said, I'm gonna grow old here. Well, it's happened. (laughs) Decades, I mean, years went into decades and now we're in our fourth decade. But you know what? I've been doing this so long. Today I'm watching children come up here with their bags. Hear me, 30 years ago, it was their parents that were coming up here. And today their parents, thank God, are not bringing plastic bags. They're, they're writing on checks or, or they're wiring it directly into the account because they have proven God. Wow, that's, that's powerful stuff. It's just powerful, powerful, powerful stuff. Come on, stand with me, if you will, please. Father, I bless your word today with joy. Uh, I pray, Father, that every person in this place, every person that's watching online, every person that's listening on the podcast this week, Father, they'll hear by the Spirit what you're saying. They'll understand the magnitude, the next to salvation, Father. We get to prove you. We get to, we get to walk out what your Word says and see if you will not do everything that you said you would do. Father, I thank you that I have proved you. No one, can, no one can get in a debate with me and try to disprove who you are. <clears throat> I, have, I have proven you in my life. And I believe that everything that's for my eternal future, I never question or wonder because everything that you've said here on this earth, you have brought it to pass. In mine and Suzanne's personal lives, in our family, and in this church. And I'm thankful to be a part of what repentance, what conviction, what making things right with you is all about. I'm thankful to stand here and look across this congregation and see so many incredible people that I know their stories. And I remember when they came into that, this house broken and messed up, marriages broken, families broken. And today they're saved, they're healed, their marriages are strong, their marriages are whole. And they're on their way to a place of unbelievable blessing in their life because they have proven you. Father, for anyone that's still in that place of living in that confused state where they don't know if they can trust you with a dime on a dollar. Help them, Father, to get their heart right with you so that they can see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So I bless you, bless this people. Look forward to Wednesday night, our gathering. Father, what a time of celebration that we can sow good seed into good soil and see your hand upon every bit of it. 
so that our friends around the world that you've given us responsibility over, we can help feed their children on the mission field. We can help take care of those in Cuba, in Peru, in Honduras, in China, Jamaica. Father, over Pastor Dennis and his kids in Maypin, the Rock of Maypin today, Father, still under lockdown, still not able to meet as a church family. Father, thank you that we're able to help sustain them in this crazy trying time on that island. Thank you for making it possible this week, giving us divine wisdom to know how to get financial support to our friends in China. Father, thank you the joy that I experience when they text me yesterday at the ability to be able to get what we said we would send so that they could take care of their needs. What a joy it is to be a giver, not a taker, to be in a position that we can give. Help our hearts to be turned towards you. I give you all thanks, all praise, and all honor today in Jesus' name. Would you with me one more time? Let's give the Lord an ovation of praise. He's worthy this morning. Bless you. I'll see you Wednesday night. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.